Greetings! You're listening to the audio version of Up the Waterfall. To see us and everything we talk about, be sure to check out the video version by visiting youtube.com slash Xanaland. Thanks for listening! Well, now you got into this mess by going down a waterfall. Now, how would you suppose we get them out of there? By going up the waterfall? That's right! Anything's possible in Disneyland. Welcome, friends, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Up the Waterfall Podcast with your hosts, Zanna and Scott Otis. Hello. And if you haven't joined us before on Up the Waterfall, we take a journey to Disney past uh, facts and figures with some nostalgia thrown in and, you know, a present day twist because we look at it from where we are right now. We're not just stuck in the past all the time. Um, <laughs> this one definitely has some nostalgia. Yes, this one is <laughs> a deep dive. Our, I think our first deep dive. We've done deep dives. Well, not like a five-part Epcot series. Um, you probably know the title if you're already listening or watching, but uh, we're going to do a very specific history and present day of how the Grand Canyon is represented. The Grand Canyon? In Disney. How weird. Well, oh, you thought of it, so I hope you know what's going on, because I'm just here for the ride as well. It was actually inspired by an Insta story of yours. Of from, mine? Uh, from a, a few weeks back. Yeah. Do you remember uh, <laughs> when you were touring the Wilderness Lodge? I do, and yes. And you sent a, a little Insta story with a little bit of music in it. Do you remember that? I did, yes. I added that music. Yeah. From the Grand Canyon Suite? That's right. Which you probably heard... If you're watching this, well, I guess he does it on the, sorry, it's the technical stuff I don't keep up with, but Christian always adds <laughs> for most episodes, a specific music to whatever the topic is. And I, yes, and I'm hoping that we can this. add that without it being like copyright. No. Yeah. All of that. He handles all that stuff. Good. <laughs> but yeah. It'll be fine. I don't think anyone's coming after a, you know, hundred year old thing or however old that it's is. It's not that old. Okay. As we'll learn. Well, let me just, because, you know, I'm not going to be doing much of the talking for this one, but I will jump in. I will jump in. I just want to give my personal background. Oh, please. Up until I went to Disneyland, and especially until I met you, my knowledge of the Grand Canyon was pretty much the Brady Bunch episode (laughs) or episodes that that was a two-parter that I would watch, you know, the reruns because I'm not quite that old to see them when they first came out. But Uh, me neither. After school, that's what I would watch. Although I I thought they were first run when I was watching them. Yeah, I didn't realize until older. Uh, So yeah, it was always, you know, that was always fun and exciting. And I've said many times how California and the West in general just seemed like another country to me because I never thought I would ever just go out there. Uh, I think Bugs Bunny cartoons as well gave (laughs) me an idea of the Grand Canyon. But it wasn't until I went to California and rode on the Disneyland Railroad, which I'm sure you're going to discuss. The Disneyland Railroad? Oh my Um, gosh, I should probably... (laughs) <laughs> a little bit of research on that. And they have, you know, the little Grand Canyon area there. The diorama. Yeah. Which, yeah. as you know from previous episodes, was originated with the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. Almost. Oh, no. 
The Grand Canyon diorama was not inspired by that. It was the, the primeval, primeval world, world that was Dang it. that was connected to it. I'm fired was, already. No, no. That's okay. They <laughs> All were, right. They well. were, they're very intertwined. Uh, we did Jordan. actually go to the Grand Canyon, the whole right. family, in we took 2016. Which is another reference. Yes. To the Grand Canyon, if you all remember. That's true, the I vacation did. vacation movie yeah. where Clark W. Griswold checked out the Grand Canyon for maybe about four seconds. Yeah, exactly. I kind of felt the same way in person. Well, no offense maybe to on the South Rim, but we spent a lot of time on the, on the North Rim. The North Rim, I really enjoyed, which is yes. not Very few the people most head out well that known. Way. Yeah, most people hit the South Rim, which yeah. is the inspiration for the Grand Canyon diorama, as I will explain. But yeah, we went to the North Rim, which is very, very few people. Make yeah, it out much that less way. crowded. There was much a lovely lodge, which was very like had an '80s feel, which I'm sure was more like a '50s feel because that's probably <laughs> when they made it. Um, so it was very cool and retro, and it had mm-hmm. that great view, which was unique. It's not. It wasn't the same as all. I mean, you you guys can look up photos. I'll post some photos with the yeah. blog. Um, but anyway. Most people know just the huge, you know, red caverns from it's the regular Grand Canyon. Big and we did ditch. go there as well. <laughs> and I did enjoy the little circular. Yeah, we did. That was fun. Tower situation that we the climbed watch up. Tower. The watchtower. That's right. But after seeing all of the national parks that we have seen up to that point, which included Yosemite, Arches, Bryce Canyon, Zion, the mm-hmm. actual Grand Canyon wasn't as awe-inspiring to me hmm. i don't know maybe i was just like it was the end of the trip that was like we did that and then drove to disneyland yeah so. the south rim was <laughs> the end of the trip we had done the north rim yeah a, a couple of days earlier but uh yeah it, basically with, with the grand canyon you get as much out of it as you put into it and i suppose it's not like we hiked to the bottom that is true and that that's kind of one of the things about the grand canyon is it, it's very imposing it is a very large canyon yeah it's Huge uh, and iconic. 200 miles long, a mile deep, uh, two mile, or it depends. It's two to ten miles wide. It's a big, big thing. And so it's very imposing, very tough. And, le- and it, you have to be of a certain physical strength in order to be able to hike down. And so a lot of people what really can. No, I'm just saying <laughs> it's, it's not easy. And so most people do uh, only enjoy it from the rim. And so, you know, as much time as you can do that. And we were kind of in a hurry at the end on our way to Disneyland. We did see a really cool elk. Oh, that's right. As we were driving away, though. But I was just saying, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But I digress, as usual. Anyway, Grand Canyon, Disney, go. (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) Um, As most of you know, you know, Walt Disney was, uh, he was a nostalgic. He very much enjoyed Americana and all of that. And this can be seen in many of his films, such as Bambi, Johnny Tremaine, Johnny Appleseed. I, did I say Johnny Tremaine? You did. It is Johnny Tremaine. Johnny Tremaine and Johnny Appleseed. A couple okay. of Johnnies. <laughs> the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, The Great Locomotive Chase, a lot of history, Old West, you know, and basically a lot of his movies and the land's in Disneyland were inspired by the certain genres, right. uh, such as the Western, Frontierland, um, Adventure, Adventureland, mm-hmm. you know, that which included the True Life Adventure series, you know, his fairy tales for Fantasyland and science fiction for Tomorrowland. 
And so a lot of his movies were based on that. And, of course, then Disneyland was, too. And so he was, and, of course, he was, you know, as I mentioned, he was doing the True Life Adventure series as well, which, you know, nobody had done that uh, before him. And, you know, things like The Vanishing Prairie, The Living Desert, and, you know, he was winning Academy Awards left and right for that. So, really, um, it's no wonder that something as awe-inspiring as the Grand Canyon, you know, came to Disney's attention and, you know, was an inspiration for a lot of things. And I guess the original thing that uh, I think that was um, the Grand Canyon-inspired was actually like a, uh, what was it, a, a 1945... Pluto short called The Legend of Coyote Rock. And even mm. though, and I watched that just today, I and mean, even though it wasn't directly inspired by the, the Grand Canyon, it sure looks like it. <laughs> and I it's basically, it's basically Pluto is kind of like a, he's guarding sheep in what appears to be like the Phantom Ranch at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And uh, a coyote by the name of Bent Tail is basically trying to get at the sheep to eat them and have a snack. And, you know, it's the adventures of Pluto and trying to, you know, save the sheep from this guy. And uh, in in doing so, they actually kind of create havoc in what appears to be the Grand Canyon. But And later, actually, all of that footage was used in another short called the Grand Canyon Scope, which was, you know, with the name, it definitely was inspired to Grand Canyon. By the Grand Canyon, which was a Donald Duck short, uh, which was released on December 23rd, 1954, with Donald Duck, and of course everyone's favorite ranger, Jay Audubon Woodlore. I didn't know voiced that was by his Bill name. Thompson. Hmm. I mean? probably did know that, but I like totally forgot. Now, this it. is a rare one where where Jay Audubon Woodlore did not <laughs> appear with Humphrey. Yeah, Robert. he was just with Donald. He was just with Donald. He was basically the park ranger. At the Grand Canyon, and Grand uh, and Donald Duck was a really kind of a, a rascally park goer, mm. trying to throw rocks into the canyon and step where he shouldn't and do and things that he shouldn't. Really, based on watching Ken Burns' National Parks documentary, oh, yes. this that time period was when so many more people were being, you know, lured to oh, yeah. explore exactly. national parks and things like that. So it was very timely. Like getting out on the open road kind yep. of vacation That's right. situations. And so, yeah. And actually, this was um, the second cartoon to be featured in CinemaScope, which was their new mm. um, kind of fun gadget. I guess it's not really gadget. It was essentially widescreen, which they had done with, uh, they'd try that with Lady and the Tramp. And, of course, Sleeping Beauty, which came out in 1959, was also in CinemaScope. It's a huge widescreen, beautiful mm. thing. Uh, the first one being Toot. Whistle, Plunk, and Boom. Ah, yes. It's the Academy Award winning short about music. But this was the second one. So, you know, and actually at one point, Jay Audubon Woodlore even says to the to the crowds gathered at his talk, it's okay, everyone, spread out. This is CinemaScope. <laughs> kind of breaking the fourth <laughs> wall funny. there. But um, so it's essentially Donald Duck and um, and they actually have pack mules where they're taking the trail down. On impact news yeah. going down, and he discovers a mountain lion. And once again, you know, Donald Duck and this mountain lion create all kinds of havoc 
and they actually kind of destroy the Grand Canyon, at which point Jay Audubon Woodlore tells them, all right, here's a couple of shovels. We need to put this thing back the way it was, and they have to essentially <laughs> dig <laughs> out dig the, the Grand Canyon. Wow, that sounds like something that would happen. Yeah. Was his name like the letter J or the name uh, The letter J. I wonder what the J stands for. I don't know. That's a trivia thing you should find out. It could be any. I mean, I just think we all know where Audubon came from. Right. So... <laughs> I Interesting. Don't know. So anyway, that cartoon came out with uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in theaters in 1954. And um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, but of course, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Disneyland, of course, our favorite park, that opened up in 1955. And one of the opening day attractions was, do you know? The Railroad? No. Well, yes, the what? Disneyland Railroad was an opening day attraction. Oh, okay. But oh, not like the the Pack Mules was the that? Pack Mules. Yes. That's right. I was going to say, yeah, they didn't uh, introduce the the mine train till oh. later. It was like dirt. The, that whole side of the park was just dirt, right? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So the train just kind of went around. It didn't. I mean, it went around some fun things. Of course, the the Rivers of America on that side was uh, nearby, but over in the between Tomorrowland and the Main Street. There wasn't much. There was kind of the backstage areas. But um, but the mule pack, oh, you're talking about that area, not the Tomorrowland Gap. We'll get to that later. I, I got ahead <laughs> of myself. The mule pack, it, they had a stagecoach as well as, you know, the mine train through Nature's Wonderland, which came later. But, yeah, they had essentially dirt. That area was really very dry and desolate. And But the mule pack, I mean, if you think about it, live animals – and guests riding them. It was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Also, yeah. to jump in. Oh, please. It was a play, uh, a joke reference to John James Audubon. Okay. Like, that's his real first name. Well, so. there you go. There you go. W- it wasn't like any fun, interesting. But I think that's fun and yeah, interesting. No. So. <laughs> and, he, and he's the park ranger for Brownstone National Park. Isn't that funny? That's with the Humphrey Bear card. Yeah. But in this one, yeah. Grand Canyon. All exactly. The way. Sorry. <laughs> I digress yet again. Go ahead. No, that's good. <laughs> that, that's the information I want. <laughs> anyway, Mule Pack. So this was a, an opening day attraction. And actually, Walt bought these mules for like $50 a piece. And he got like 25 of them. And yes, essentially rode them, even though they were kind of stubborn. And sometimes went, sometimes didn't, you know, because they do what they want to do. Um, the ones in Grand, in the actual Grand Canyon, are actually known as being very, um, very good with their feet. You know, I can't imagine. I yeah, because even if I was a skinny person, like yeah, they've never had. They've actually never them. had an accident where the where it's misstepped or anything like that. Wow. So if they've ever had an accident, it would be because of their guess. Human error. Yes, human error. But um, yeah, so they had that, and then they changed the name. Uh, they did a lot of work in 1956, the, in the first year, where they added a lot of things, and they changed. That's, that's when they added the Rainbow Ridge, and so they called that the Rainbow Ridge Pack Mules. Mm. And then later, the mine, uh, the ma- the Pack Mules through Nature's Wonderland, ah. which accompanied, which went with the mine train through Nature's Wonderland, and that was amazing because they had the mine train pack mules and a stagecoach kind of all going wow. within that uh, vast area out there hmm. um, with all kinds of things that were inspired by the true life adventure films like especially the vanishing prairie and the living desert wow so I wish I'd seen it 
Yeah. Actually, I th- uh, based on its closing date, and it's amazing how long it lasted, the mules were there all the way through uh, 1973. Wow. And considering that my first visit to Disneyland was on my fourth birthday, which was 1974, I guess I missed the <laughs> mules by that much. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> you probably would have had to wait a little bit longer to ride them. Yeah. You were an infant. That's right. <laughs> Oh, that's true. <laughs> I never thought of that. Um, but yeah, so it, even though it, um, none of the areas were really directly inspired by the Grand Canyon, certainly the pack mules kind of were because that's the only national park that really had pack mules that mm. went places. So it's a natural fit. But anyway, the next two references um, kind of go hand in hand. Is they, uh, Walt Disney, in in doing all of the True Life Adventure films, uh, commissioned one called um, inspired by the Grand Canyon, and it was called Grand Canyon. Makes sense. And this sense. was, um, and it was filmed entirely in the Grand Canyon. It has an absolute total of zero words in narration. It's all set to the music of uh, Ferdy Grafe's Suite, a can- Grand Canyon Suite. Hmm. which was itself written in the in between 1929 and 1931, which he was inspired by his visits to the Grand Canyon. And it had uh, five, um, five movements called uh, Sunrise, Painted Desert, the most famous one being On the Trail, and Sunset and Cloudburst. Hmm. All of which, if you, you know, can, if you can imagine uh, some inspiring scenes of the Grand Canyon. And this uh, sh- this short that they built, I'm sorry, m- made in 1958 uh, was, it was actually released in December, December 17th of 1958 with a general release in January of 1959 with the movie Sleeping Beauty. Mm. Uh, the film itself was also presented in cine- Cinemascope. And, uh, but as I mentioned, it was, entirely set to the music of the Grand Canyon Suite. And it was just, and I actually just watched that today, uh, right before we were recording this. And it's just a beautiful documentary, 30 minutes of just uh, beautiful scenes from the Grand Canyon with the sunrise, uh, you know, a, a thunderstorm, all of the animals and wildlife of the Grand Canyon, wow. the Colorado River, and epic scenes of you know, water sweeping by, and even at some points, the gentle movement of the Colorado River, all of which, you know, it's it's amazing to think that that whole canyon was carved out by that one river. It does have some wild uh, rapids at some points, but it's also very calm and gentle. Mm-hmm. But it's just a beautiful film. It actually won the Academy Award uh, for Best Live Action Short. Whoa. And it's only 29 minutes long, and I highly recommend it. And it can be found... I don't know if any of you have the old uh, Sleeping Beauty, you know, who buys uh, DVDs or Blu-rays anymore, but I guess if you do, it's attached to the <laughs> Sleeping Beauty one. I wonder it's if it's on the special, like the bonus things on Disney+. Plus. I haven't checked the bonus footage there yet. Um, it itself, all by itself, is not out on there, um, which is sad. Mm. And I think, you know, they're doing ever, ever-going rotation of things, and hopefully they will add that. Fingers crossed, because <laughs> um, I highly recommend it. But yeah, I actually need to check the uh, 
the bone. I've I will check it right now okay. while you keep telling your tales. Thank you. Let me just have a quick sip. Hmm. But anyway, all of this was being filmed at the same time that they uh, premiered a new thing at Disneyland, which I had mentioned before. And this is actually my favorite inspiration of the Grand Canyon, of course, was the Grand Canyon diorama at the Disneyland uh, Railroad. And, um, you know, at, if you think about it, the railroad always just kind of went around and around. And at one point, Walt Disney thought, our railroad needs a finale. And he set, uh, he had Claude Coates actually kind of go to the Grand Canyon to do, you know, take photos, do some storyboards and some concept art. And actually, Claude Coates completely disagreed with it being there because he didn't think that in between Tomorrowland and Main Street mm. that that was a good fit. And it is kind of weird, but what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Walt, of course, said, no, I think our train needs a good finale. Let's put it there. And uh, Walt, of course, won out. But uh, so it represents the South Rim. It's a 305 foot diorama that's 45 feet high. And at the point, at the time that it opened, it was the largest diorama in the world. It took over 300 gallons of paint. There were 4,000 hours of labor and all kinds of different colors involved. I don't know how many colors. <laughs> More than four. And, and they've, oh, sorry, go ahead. You got it. I was going to say they, you know, semi-recently redid it and yes. added a lot of that will be mentioned. effects. Okay. Sorry. No, that's good. Because <laughs> that, that is very cool what they have done. But anyway, uh, the artwork was done by a scenic artist, uh, a Disney scenic artist by the name of Delmer Yoakum. Interesting. Good old Delmer. That's right. But anyway, they set this, of course, also to Ferdy Groffet's um, Grand King Suite, the On the Trail movement that I had mentioned before. Um, and then um, they added the primeval world sequence in 1966 after the World's Fair. But this was 1958 that it opened up. So in 1950, you know, from 58 through 66, they had only the Grand Canyon diorama. And of course, um, I think a lot of us have who are listening have seen it. it includes <laughs> rocks and trees and ancient human ruins, indigenous wildlife. It goes from a snow-capped region all the way through a storm, complete with a rainbow, to a climactic sunset. Mm. It includes all fun things like uh, porcupines and skunks, rattlesnakes, rabbits, deer, crows, wild turkeys, bighorn sheep, mountain lions, golden eagles, armadillos, and bobcats, all using, of course, our favorite taxidermy. Yeah, if you think about it, they were uh, Disney was only using audio animatronics, so they were using fake animals that were moving, and in this case, it was real animals that were not moving. Kind of a yeah, a fun twist on things. I guess that's what makes it a diorama because it's just that's like. Right. And of course, I think a, a lot of us have seen this kind of thing in museums across right. the world. I love you know, or on night at the museum. <laughs> Yeah, I actually grew up going. <laughs> I grew up going to the Hastings Museum in Hastings, Nebraska, that had a pretty good set of dioramas. Really, for a very small Nebraska town, hmm. um, that's where my grandparents um, lived. But of course, if you go to the um, natural history museums of the Smithsonian or New York City or yes. pretty much any major city, I don't think they have one of those in Boston because I never really. 
We had the Museum of Science and the Museum of Fine Art. I mean, maybe they do now. I don't know. Is there one here? No, I don't think so. We're huh. not major enough. Well, okay. But I did go to the Kendall Whaling Museum, <laughs> which was in Sharon, Massachusetts, where I actually mm-hmm. grew up. That was pretty boring. But they did have a scary whale in there. It's amazing to me that the Hastings (laughs) Museum in Hastings, Nebraska was... uh, It's in the middle of, you know, where those animals were, I guess. There weren't buffaloes roaming in Boston. That's a good point. And they just brought them into New York. But I mean, Hastings is a really small town. I guess. Um, (laughs) Right in the middle of Adams County. Hmm. And, you know... Maybe what twenty miles south of Grand Island, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, a couple of hundred miles west of Omaha and Lincoln. Hmm. So yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and if anyone here is from Hastings or has been to the Hastings Museum, please give me a shout out, and you know, kind of agree with me, please, because <laughs> I'm amazed. Because uh, we cannot. I, yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would anyway. be funny. <laughs> But they also had uh, trees, you know, lots of trees there, um, which the tree trunks themselves were actually authentic, but the leaves were not. Mm, interesting. But they had a ponderosa, juniper, pinion pine, and aspen. And I guess they had, you know, the leaves were plastic. And I guess when they created them, they did them upside down. And so that when they dried, that they would be hard mm. enough so that over time they wouldn't droop. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. Those Disney guys thought of everything. That's right. So anyway, this whole thing, this uh, expansion opened on March 31st, 1958 uh, with the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad. It was actually sponsored by Santa Fe and Disneyland, or the the Atchison, Pacific, and Santa Fe Railroad. Not the the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe? Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe. What did I say? Uh, I don't know, but it was wrong. Bunch of words. Yes. I only know the it from Atchison, the song that's Topeka in some music. And Santa Fe Railroad was actually the sponsor <laughs> of the what was it then called the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad. Huh. I didn't know that at all. So mm-hmm. learning new facts all that's the right. time. But anyway, so the um for the opening of this, the the executives of the Atchison, Topeka and Santa Fe Railroad, they were picked up by the omnibus at the Anaheim train station oh. taken through city streets to Disneyland where they hopped on the railroad and Main Street went around to the Tomorrowland station where they had there the uh, actually a 96 year old chief uh, Navanganwa I'm sure I butchered that name who is a, a, a member of the Hopi Indian tribe that uh, actually lives in the Grand Canyons hmm. and uh, he lived was that? He probably lived oh, there. Just, I yeah. don't think he's I'm still sure he lived. If he was 96 then, I don't think he's still around. No, he, I'm saying then he lived there. Because <laughs> oh, that's where okay. they are from. The Havasupai Indians, and I guess, I'm not sure where the Hopi tribe are. But the Havasupai are <laughs> from there. <laughs> anyway, he performed a ritual <laughs> blessing there. And then that's they all cool. hopped on. I didn't on know the, that either. And they all hopped on. Yeah, there's a, a great photo, which we'll be sure to include in the notes or the You're probably seeing it right now. That's right. Uh, And then afterwards, they all hopped on the Fred G. Gurley, which was the number three locomotive in Disneyland set, because, of course, all of their trains were named after executives of that railroad. In in fact, Fred G. Gurley was there for this, and he hopped on his own railroad, named after himself. And uh, then they went through. Very cool. But anyway, they actually, this um, the inclusion of this diorama actually changed the position of the the had it inspired them to change the position oh, yeah. of the seats on the train to face essentially inside the park. 
so that they would have a, a direct face, you know, of face viewing of yeah. the diorama. Which I, I always grew up, you know, you know, seeing those, but they they actually had some that were both ways. Mm-hmm. Me growing up, so and I think they still they do. still do, yeah. Because I'm always like, why would anyone want to go on that kind? Yeah, and like <laughs> the ones that face where you're facing forward, facing the engine, I always made sure to be on that side, mm. so that when it went through, you could see. Yeah, you could see. Who knew? But anyway, as you mentioned, they uh, it was recently refreshed. They was they closed it for 18 months. Um, a lot of dust, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? A lot of dust. But it was all refreshed, and they opened it on July 29th, 2017, and including all kinds of fun new scenes, including that dramatic lightning strike. <laughs> yes. And, uh, I mean... That was scary the first time I went Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's amazing to me, having <clears throat> just seen the Grand Canyon sh- um, short... How many scenes are identical? Wow, interesting. In the short and th- in the the diorama, and of course, it had to. The diorama, of course, had to have been. If one was inspired by the other, that one was inspired by the short, hmm. even though the short was released after it opened. Interesting. Yeah, because there's even a a scene in the diorama where there's some. Um, I think it's bobcats that are kind of wrestling. Actually, no, it's mountain lions mm. that are kind of wrestling. I always thought that was rather interesting, <laughs> and, but it's in it's wow. in the short, so which is not in the bonus features on Disney Plus, by it the way. Not? No, but you can see National Geographic's Into the Grand Canyon. Well, that's great, but that's not the one I'm talking about. No, but you know, if you just want to see what it looks like, if you've Disney been living or under Disney a rock, Plus, please get on it. They also have the Donald Duck Grand Canyon uh, scope. That's the one I mentioned. Yeah, that's so, on Disney Plus. Yeah. Oh, everyone. Look, do you want to just play it right now? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, stop what you're doing and, and go and watch that now. But please actually finish listening to this <laughs> podcast and then go check out Donald Duck and Grand Canyon Scope. Yes. After you sign up for Disney Plus, if you're not already. Oh, that's right. Well, I'm, I'm assuming everyone that's listening <laughs> to us has signed up for Disney Plus. I guess you're probably right. If not, just hit us up and we'll just set you up on one of our... Wait, no. 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> Our password is... No, 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 no. And it's the password we use for everything, so, you know. No, it's different. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, we're being a little silly now. But one other thing about this railroad thing is they actually later then added the Grand Canyon diorama to the railroad at Disneyland Paris. Wow. Yeah, so it's weird to think that they actually have both the Grand Canyon diorama and the Primeval World. There's two of each. One at both, you know, Disneyland has both. Disneyland Paris has the Grand Canyon diorama, and the Primeval World can be found in Tokyo Disneyland's. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Very weird. Yeah, and we have none, although we did used to have dinosaurs. You know, oh, yeah. Not Grand Canyon, but we had dinosaurs. So. I always kind of thought they were inspired together because there are scenes in the Grand, or what, the Primeval World that were inspired by, you know, the original Fantasia sequence. Oh, yeah. Which then were also put into Universe of Energy. It's so, another episode. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I might have mentioned that on a previous mm. episode. Probably the World's Fair one. Or Epcot. Who knows? Or, I don't know. There's been so many. Listen to them all. 
Anyway, uh, so for any of you Walt Disney World diehards, and I think there's a couple, right? There's also a very famous uh, thing that's inspired by Grand Canyon. Can you think of what that is? Hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say Disney's Polynesian Resort. Uh, oh, wait, no. No. <laughs> 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 of course, it's the Grand Canyon Concourse. That's right. Inside Disney's Contemporary Resort. An opening day original from 1971. Yes, which I will say, I always growing up was like, why is this Southwest themed? Because it's not, Yeah, that's not contemporary, it, yeah, that's contemporary, historical. It's, it's, it, apparently it has, it's foot, one foot in the future. But one foot firmly planted in the past as well. Yeah. With that theme. And it's almost like the the only thing remaining from the original design. Because they've redesigned it so many times. Especially right around uh, the 1990s. In the early 1990s when they really got rid of that Southwest theme. But, um, well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that di um, the mural. Do you have something else you want to add? Or? Um, I had the wrong oh, no. post open, so I think this is, okay. this is the right one. Well, I'll talk <laughs> about um, that. So anyway, of course, Walt's favorite artist was Mary Blair. And uh, he had her, he commissioned a nice piece. This was actually her, I think, third um mural that they've done she did a couple at disneyland but in tomorrowland which are sadly no oh longer. my gosh <laughs> the scenes of those being destroyed break my heart but so i'm really thankful that these ones at the at, in the contemporary are still there but uh, it's essentially eighteen thousand hand-painted tiles on a 90 foot tall you know it's essentially the elevator shaft that's right in the middle of these vast expanse within the contemporary hotel that you know if you think about it kind of represents the grand canyon they always knew mm -hmm. there was going to be this vast open space and so they kind of called it the grand canyon concourse and so they decided instead of having it be just very dry and you know they had to have put something there to um, theme it so they chose the grand canyon naturally <laughs> I, I think that actually works so from the outside, the whole thing looks very contemporary, but from the inside, it's got a nice, uh, it had a nice southwest feel. And if, if you even think about the color scheme in the, the contemporary back then with the rustic browns and oranges and yellows, um, it pretty much went with that. Yeah, and I think um, I learned on this wonderful blog post, Passport to Dreams, um, passport number two <laughs> yes dreams oh my gosh that's one of my favorite blogs dot com. um foxy hooves who i have always wished that my blog would be hers so yeah her <laughs> writing my blog is wishes just it could be absolutely um fantastic i highly recommend this but yeah this is like the stuff that i wish was in my head but she does so much <laughs> research into these things and this is an older post from 2015 but i mean she has even older ones that are even more loaded with information oh yeah but basically the idea for all of the original elements of walt disney world um was like different types of vacation so you had mm -hmm. you know the polynesian was that and oh, yeah. and so the contemporary while being a contemporary style architecture 
they chose the national park theme because that was another type of vacation to take as, as well. well. So yep. all of the ballroom, uh, not ballrooms, the convention center rooms were named uh -huh. after national park um, names and stuff like and that. I think so. even some of the um, the lounges and restaurants yeah. too. I know there was like a Coconino Cove. Coconino is like the yeah. color of a, a certain kind of rock that mm -hmm. they have in the Grand Canyon as well as other things. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, and reading over this, you know, I don't know if you want me to just jump in. Um, with well, yeah, please. <laughs> Some things I remember because I definitely did go here in my first few visits. We never stayed at the Contemporary. In fact, I didn't stay there until 2010 on my oh, mom's yeah. panel training trip. So Ooh, that fun. was exciting. And I got the whole room to myself. Aww. I had no children with me. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a very weird experience for me. Um, but we never... I mean, it wasn't the same kind of, it wasn't a place back then that you went for, like, Chef Mickey's wasn't there. Chef Mickey's was over in the Village Marketplace, right. which we did go to a lot. Um, but my parents did take me to Broadway at the top, Ooh. I think at least two times. And then at one point we had uh, brunch up there. There was okay. a Sunday brunch that they would do. Oh, I, I and did it was that very fancy. Um yeah, so I have like great memories of yeah. that. I did not see Top of the World Lounge when they had like, right. I probably well, wouldn't have been allowed to go because that was like an actual nightclub kind of experience. But who knows back then? I don't know. Um, but also what we actually went to and I do have memories of is the Gulf Coast oh, Room. Oh, yes. Which... That's on the second floor? Is that right? Yeah. Or, and it was just was one on of the, the um, convention halls yeah. and they were like oh let's turn this into a restaurant i guess <laughs> and so I, I wonder if they had kitchens there or if they had to kind of cart yeah the i don't food know how from... the layout was if they had to go well, running. they definitely have an elevator so they could yeah use that. that's true um but when I, re I what i remember about it is it it definitely felt like you were in a convention <laughs> hall it was there was no oh, windows wow. at all you were, it was just like very dark i remember there being like trees in there like little i don't know if they were real or not but there was just a lot of foliage and very interesting white tablecloths there was only one other table of diners in there it was this old couple and i was there with my parents and then on the there was like the strolling violinist uh -huh. which was weird but because we were like the only people there we got a lot of strolling violin action happening you know it's so weird and because I was so well behaved, I guess, Aww. the old couple, when they left, came over and told my parents what a well behaved child I was, and they should I be very proud of me. Their dinner could have easily been ruined. Well, I mean, it wasn't like I was way. five, I was like, you know, eight or nine, uh, so I wasn't like in running around crazy. But again, as I seem to be saying every episode, I was kind of raised in those kind of fine dining environments because my dad worked in the restaurant business and you know he was like a maitre d of places and five-star dining establishments so still that's very cool that you have those memories. yeah and that's pretty much i don't remember what i ate or anything but this was also when we were doing that gold key oh yeah club thing which yeah. i talked about on the last episode or maybe two episodes ago um on the best and worst mm -hmm. hits and misses. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was the only reason we were probably there. Although we did do all of those fine dining establishments, yeah. you know, but it was a fun time. Yeah. I wish I remembered the 
trees that everyone has yeah, the I was photos say, of. Uh, there are, you know, I think a lot of people have seen the photos kind of looking down on yeah. the Grand Canyon concourse from the, what, the 70s. And it has these weird looking, yeah. like, I guess, like plastic, but very weird looking yeah. glass trees um, that kind of gold in color, right? Mm-hmm. That I guess that kind of went along with the uh, the Grand Canyon concourse yeah. theme. But those were it. taken away relatively oh, soon right. after, okay. I don't know what the, don't know. T- the timeline was. But these other light fixtures and these, um, I'll show a picture of that. Those little booth, like whatever, benches, I definitely remember those. Wow. And then I didn't realize this was yeah, like pulled from my mind's eye. Yeah, those, those weird trees. trees. The monorail. Um, seeing the little cutout niches <laughs> around the outer rim. Oh, yeah. With the Mary Blair. These things. I totally that's forgot right. that I had seen those. Oh, my gosh. And that oh, was that's really right. cool. I forgot about those. But yeah, I will definitely link to this blog post. It's an Absolutely. amazingly interesting read. Yeah, because to... without things like that, things, um, you know, that yeah. those niches or those and little holes would have been lost to history. Right. And as so she says in there, despite it having the least amount of changes in recent times, it really had so many changes early on, like the first 10 years of its existence. Oh, they wow. really switched up the dining parts and the names of things. and. Okay. They even totally redid the whole area where um, now Chef Mickey's and Contempo Cafe is. Oh, yeah. Completely different okay. look to it. So, so that would be interesting. Yeah. So I definitely highly recommend y'all take a look at that. But uh, going back to the um, the mosaic, um, it did uh, depict, you know, um, the Grand Canyon, but in a very whimsical, childlike way, as it included um, American Indian children as well as flowers and animals, little kind of cartoonish-looking animals, mm-hmm. including bears and birds and owls and mountain goats and you know, bighorn sheep. Bunnies. Yeah, that's right, bunnies With and little bears kind of wearing. Bands. A lot of them even were wearing, like, Indian clothes. So, And, of course, uh, the very famous five-legged goat as well. Yes. Now, Mary, actually, she never explained that. Um the five-legged goat, she but didn't. she was, um, it, it is very possible that um, this was because she may have discovered uh, the Cheyenne spirit bead tradition, which is where tribes women would spend hundreds of hours creating geometric patterned artworks with beads or um, other things. And as a spiritual act, they would, uh, or as a prayer to the Great Spirit, they would intentionally weave or sew in a, a wrongly colored bead as an act of humility, mm. um, recognizing the inherent imperfection of humans. So some people suspect that maybe she discovered that because she was very spiritual herself. And uh, she had um, taken many trips to Mexico many decades earlier, and she kind of found the inspiration th- from those trips as well as um, southwestern prehistoric rock pictographs, as well as Pueblo murals and sand paintings. So, yeah. Very but, cool. But if yeah, it's if you get a chance, I highly recommend y'all take um, go out to the contemporary and just really take a look at this. And it's it's literally on all four sides. 
even yeah. if you're like go up to the monorail platform which is actually the side where the five-legged goat is mm-hmm. um to take a look at all of the and like really take a good detailed look because yeah. it's, it's amazing and have this blog post open so you can see <laughs> oh, where yeah. things used to be and <laughs> and how different it is now yeah because apparently when she first saw it even though she you know was working on it when she first um mary boy that is when she first uh walked in and saw it at the opening ceremony of the contemporary she was just like oh wow <laughs> she was completely blown away by wow. it wow i mean yeah it's it is very impressive grand yes very very grand anyway um but there is even more there's another Walt <laughs> disney world um, i guess we're coming full circle to what inspired you Oh, that's right. The Wilderness Lodge. <laughs> now, the Wilderness Lodge um, is kind of, it is inspired by a lot of uh, National Parks Lodges uh, in the American Northwest, as well as, you know, Yellowstone, Yosemite. But it's really got most of um, how it looks from the Yellowstone. Yes. The Old Faithful Inn. Mm-hmm. Which we have been to, and oh, it's yes. really cool. That's right. But the there's actually a fireplace there, of course, as you know, a very huge fireplace that is eighty what eighty two feet high, and it itself was inspired by the Grand Canyon. Um, there's actually another fireplace in the Bright Angel Lodge at the Grand Canyon that has a much smaller um, fireplace, but that fireplace it's 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 actually called the Geologic Fireplace and it, includes the same geologic sequence of the rock found in the strata of the entire Grand Canyon, including rocks. They're actually all from the Grand Canyon, including the 1.7 billion year old dark colored Vishnu schist, which is kind of granite veined rock, as well as other flat lying sedimentary rock that was all found alongside the, the Bright Angel Trail that goes all the way to the base of the Grand Canyon. And include water-worn Colorado River rocks to the light-colored limestone rocks found at the top of the Grand Canyon, which are only a very mere 270 million years old. So, Did we see that? When we, we actually did not. Because oh, I'm like pulling we were, it up and I'm like, I don't We were on the south things. rim. We did a very but quick wasn't the Bright that. Angel Trail? We went to the El Tovar. Oh, which is another there there's But that like was right up Bright Angel Trail, wasn't it? Yes. But there was Bright Angel Lodge is at a different place. It's it's right there. Oh, but we didn't see it. I thought we saw the El Tovar. We kind of, we were kind of driving by at that we point. We saw that donkey that you're supposed to rub his nose and <laughs> he brings you the, luck. The the donkey you're talking about is on the north rim. Yeah. That's where Bright Angel Trail is, isn't oh, it? No, that's all on the south rim. Oh. Well, then I don't know what I'm talking about. So. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. No, no, that's okay. Um yeah, there's like four hotels, including several um, histor- old historic um, like lodges on the South Rim. The one on the North Rim is also very historic and old. Um, I can't remember the names of them all. But the Bright Angel one is on the South Rim. Gotcha. <laughs> and it was actually inspired, designed, inspired, sorry, designed by Mary Coulter, who did a lot of those, um, that kind of artwork and uh, or a lot of those that architecture. Anyway, so the the one at the Wilderness Lodge was um, inspired by that uh, fireplace at the Bright Angel Lodge, 
but done in a much grander fashion because our Wilderness Lodge Hotel is a vast, huge, uh, you know, essentially an 80-foot tall lobby. Very grand. So they decided to fill that with the with that um, that fireplace. And there's over 100 colors in that fireplace, including hues of green and magenta, buff, red, black, and brown. And what's interesting is actually if you go to each of the different levels, right next to the um, fireplace at each of the levels, there's a display that actually shows like little f bits of fossils that were um, that were actually found in the Grand Canyon a lot at that level um, of the you know the strata because mm. the the entire height of the um, fireplace is actually you know it's kind of it's in the same proportions as the entire Grand Canyon hmm. so it, the these displays will tell you like how old these particular things are like when that rock was created and what kind of things can be found there it's very interesting I've taken Indeed. you there and s to see that, right? The Wilderness Lodge? No, I mean, those those displays. Oh, yeah. Specifically. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have seen them. So, so yeah, even though the the entirety of the Wilderness Lodge is not all, of course, a theme to Grand Canyon, that part is. Very cool. And that really kind of wraps it up. I mean, I guess there is that one scene in the Goofy movie where they... Where Goofy and Max, on when they're on the road, they actually make a stop at Grand Canyon. But that's... that's I've still of... never seen a Goofy movie. Uh, Please direct your complaints to... <laughs> it's not a complaint. Oh, Disney on Twitter. Just uh, check it out on Disney+. Plus. I will have to do that, yes. After we see the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Short, which can be found on the Sleeping Beauty DVD or Blu-ray. Special. This is special edition. I wonder well, if it's. That, in I all think of that's them. the old. That's the old DVD. I also have the Blu-ray. Oh, okay. I forgot to whip that out. Sorry. <laughs> this is the chronological Donald um, Walt Disney Treasures tin set that includes that the Grand Canyon scope cartoon, mm, which you can also see on Disney Plus. That's right, and of course the the complete Pluto Volume Two is the one that included that original. A uh, cartoon that I had told you about, The Legend of, what was it, Coyote Rock. Ah, yes. From Which was kind of the original. If you had to see one, I would recommend the Donald Short first, the one it that's actually fun. on Disney+. Plus. But yes, and so we'll actually link to all of that. And I just realized I had actually completely forgot about one other thing, <gasps> and I would like to include that now. Please do. You're not going to believe this. What? There was a whole movie created... Around the Grand Canyon, not just that short. I, I don't know if a lot of you know this, but the Grand Canyon was the last bit of America that was discovered, or really mapped out. They at at some points they had all of America mapped out, except kind of the a weird little area that they were just like, like we don't know what to do with this. Yeah, it's <laughs> like how you often see on the globes where they would put the little monsters at the edges of the earth. <laughs> Because they just don't know. This is where the devil lives. Exactly. And essentially, the Grand Canyon was that. Mm -hmm. And um, it was discovered in 1869 by John Wesley Powell. I guess it was discovered before then, but it was just really, this was the first time it was really mapped out. And so they had an, uh, an expedition 
the John Wesley Powell's expedition, or I guess it's called the 1869 Powell Geographic Expedition. And it included him, as well as nine other men, in four boats with, um, I think they had uh, like three or four months worth of food. Hmm. And they basically started up where the in the Green River, Utah, and they went down the Green River to where the Green River and the Colorado Rivers meet in Moab, Utah, which is right by, it's actually in Canyon Lines National Park, and the Arches National Park is right nearby. But anyway, they, they just went through all of that and all the way down the Colorado through the Grand Canyon. Hmm. And Disney made a movie about this called Ten Who Dared. Mm-hmm. And I cannot believe I forgot about that. <laughs> this was a 1960 film, basically uh, based on that true story of John Wesley Powell and these nine other men who went down in four boats and had all kinds of misadventures. I think they lost several of the boats along the way and I think even several of the men. Or some, some of them, I think, even abandoned the expedition. It, however, is not on Disney+. Plus. I checked. Hmm. That's sad. I think hopefully with the rotation yeah. that they do that they will include this one. Maybe now that they're hearing this, word's going to get out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But I know. I, I cannot <clears throat> believe I forgot that. Yeah. Ten Who Dared. If you had, I actually don't even have that on DVD. Hmm. I got a lot of the old out Disney DVDs and that one I don't have. Something missing from your collection. And it stars Brian Keith. Ah, yes. But not as John Wesley Powell. He's one of the other <laughs> unnamed men. folks. Well, he has a name. I just can't remember what. Yeah, it was. I know. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that wraps it up. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed this different meandering path through Disney connections to yeah. national parks and specifically the Grand Canyon. Um, I think I don't know if I said this on our first episode or when I said that we were doing this podcast, but. Part of why we did the name Up the Waterfall was, of course, the opening that you see um, and hear <clears throat> with Walt Disney mm-hmm. and Julie Ream going up the waterfall, but also <laughs> because of our connection to right. national parks and waterfalls to be found there. Yes, I'm a huge fan, especially of the national parks of the great American West. Yes. And there are many, many water features, you know, which, of course, when you have water and big rocks... That include that makes waterfalls. Yeah. So. so we thought this was a good crossover episode, if you will. Um, I don't think we're ever going to do like non-Disney episodes, but this is part of you know the inspiration for us to do right. this because show. Because there are actually many uh, examples of you know where Walt Disney yeah and national parks meet. So exactly. We Maybe could we'll do write a book many someday. many. <laughs> yeah, we could do many podcasts or even write a book. Yeah. And that's why that I, kind of I got you that oh, little okay. sign for Christmas or something. I don't remember when I got it, but you can find it. those on Etsy, and I'll link to that. If you are a national park fan, or yourself. you can find them in any national park, and just no, don't do that. That's oh, wait, against no. the law. That's right. That would be a felony. Take only but photos and leave only footprints. That's right. Or whatever. No, that's exactly Take right. Only Take raccoons. only memories. <laughs> do not take the <laughs> raccoons. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we thank you, of course, for listening. Please like the podcast, subscribe, so we know that there's more people out there interested. Spread the yeah. word. Um, you can watch this on YouTube if you are not already. 
And uh, I will have all these links on the blog post that goes along with this. And you can comment there or on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you feel like commenting. So thank we you. thank you for listening and joining us. Up the waterfall. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Anything's possible in the Grand Canyon. <laughs>